This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is just coming up to 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. It's time for Popit Popit Parliament, where we bring you updates from the Day One Rakyat. Kicking things off with a question by Pasimas MP Amir Fatli Shari, who wanted to know whether having cabinet members with ongoing corruption cases would jeopardise efforts and reforms made in the name of Malaysia Madani. Here's what Prime Minister Datu Sri Anwar Ibrahim said. I ia tidak menjejaskan prinsip dan dasar termasuk madani yang saya tertegapkan. Kalau saya nampak keras dalam soal rasuah penyelewengan, pemunggahan kekayaan yang berlaku, yang ada bukti, ini saya tidak mahu meminta maaf. Tidak ada hubungan personal walaupun saya tahu dia saya dikutuk oleh sebahagian kononnya mencari salah. Saya Arahan saya kepada mereka termasuk pagi tadi mesyuarat dengan semua badan-badan ini. Saya kata ambil tindakan Saya tidak peduli Dari parti termasuk dari parti keadilan sendiri Saya tidak boleh menjamin Parti saya ini 100% bersih Seperti mana orang belah sana kadang bicara Kami semua bersih Terbukti tidak benar Jadi barilah kita betulkan kerana Bagi saya madani ini bukan saja slogan kosong Saya nak bawa, nak ajak rakyat Faham bahawa negara tidak boleh selamat Tanpa nilai, tanpa tata susila, tanpa akhlak. Kita boleh maju dari segi ekonomi, tapi rosak dari segi tata kelola, tata uh, urus yang juga melibatkan rasuah dan penyalahgunaan kuasa yang sudah menjadi amalan. Saya sebut masalah sistemik, ada orang kata ini mengecam negara di luar, uh, Malaysia di luar negara. It's, ini kenyataan. Sama ada kita sebut di Jakarta atau Bangkok, saya akan sebut. Mengapa saya nak pergi tahu di Jakarta Malaysia ini negara yang 100% bersih? Dia nampak sangat saya penipu. Saya beritahu apa yang sebenarnya. Kita sedang bergelut melakukan islah kerana ada masalah. Terima kasih. So that was Anwar Ibrahim giving his assurance and commitment to tackling corruption, saying also that nobody is exempt, including members of his own party, and that action can't be taken against ministers, uh, the ministers in question until the courts have delivered their judgment. Moving on now to a question about whether there were plans to carry on with the redevelopment of Kampung Baru. Uh, this is in order to align with the Kuala Lumpur Smart City Plans 2030. Anwar outlined that, that several plans that had already been proposed, but said that more time is needed for detailed studies to come up with a long-term solution that works best for residents of Kampung Baru. Kita, the pembangunan Kuala Lumpur ini mesti ikut plan struktur, tapi khusus dalam permasalahannya apa? Ada cadangan untuk mengadakan proses jual beli dengan tanggungan kerajaan mencecah 6-7 bilion ringgit yang tidak mampu dikendali oleh kerajaan sekarang. Ada cadangan untuk membawa syarikat-syarikat swasta membangunkan tapi menjejaskan kepentingan kedudukan orang Melayu yang di bawah Malay Agriculture Settlement. Ada cadangan untuk mengadakan proses leasing maknanya boleh penduduk di Kampung Baru lease. Saya tidak fikir ini semua wajar. Apapun kita lakukan, kita harus kembali dan saya akan percaya saya akan bincang semula dengan mantan menteri wilayah persekutuan dan sebelum ini dan memastikan pembangunan berjalan 
Tetapi kepentingan masyarakat Melayu di Kabupaten Baru tetap dipertahankan. Karena kalau ada leasing, leasing itu berapa? 60 tahun, 99 tahun. Jadi um, nanti timbul keresahan di kalangan masyarakat Melayu di Kampung Baru kerana terlepas tangan. Jadi cadangan kerajaan terbaru ini tentang kemungkinan leasing saya tidak boleh terima. Dan kalau walaupun um, dibangunkan, hak milik itu masih Melayu tapi leasing 66 tahun. Jadi oleh demikian, beri ruang kepada saya untuk um, kaji semula. Tapi saya akan juga merujuk kepada pandangan masyarakat tempatan sendiri. To this, Titiwangsa MP Datuk Sri Haji Johari Abdul Ghani reminded the PM not to make offers to residents that the government wouldn't be able to follow through on. Here's that exchange. Uh, yang amat berhormat, Perdana Menteri, saya mengucapkan terima kasihlah jaminan yang amat berhormat beri kepada pemilik-pemilik tanah Kampung Baru. Cuma saya juga ingin mohon kepada yang amat berhormat untuk memastikan bahawa kerajaan tidak sewenang-wenangnya membuat tawaran tanpa terlebih dahulu memastikan tawaran yang dibuat oleh kerajaan itu boleh membiayai pembelian tanah-tanah wakil baru. Apa yang berlaku pada kerajaan yang sebelum ini, apabila tawaran dibuat kepada tanah, pemilik-pemilik tanah kaum baru, seolah-olah macam besok dia orang dah ada duit. Jadi semua pewaris-pewaris ini got excited. Dia beria-ia sangat nak terima tawaran tersebut. Tetapi tawaran yang dibuat itu sebenarnya tidak pernah diluluskan oleh kabinet dan tidak pernah juga wang disediakan untuk membeli dan macam mana seorang menteri membuat tawaran. Jadi saya ingin memastikan bahawa perkara sebegini tidak lagi berlaku kerana dia boleh mengelirukan orang-orang kaum baru dengan tawaran-tawaran yang sedemikian rupa. Terima kasih. Saya terima baik kerana TJ Wangsa di antara jurucakap yang paling kuat dan keras pertahankan kepentingan Melayu kaum baru. Dan uh, sebab itu saya ingat sebagai Menteri Kewangan melihat kedudukan di situ, saya terus terang minta 7 bilion memang wang tidak ada. Tetapi kadang-kadang sebelum itu diberi jaminan begitu saja sebab itu proses itu harus diadakan. Dalam keadaan kita ada kekangan kewangan, kita tidak bersedia melepaskan hak milik orang Melayu di situ. Sebab itu kita kena runding cara kaedah termasuk kalau swasta. Swasta sekalipun jangan sehinggakan ada program jaminan leasing yang menyebabkan Bukan Melayu boleh duduk sampai 60-90 tahun Jadi oleh kerana jaminan daripada awal Yang termaktub dalam peraturan dan perlembagaan negara Tentang Malaysia Settlement Di wilayah-wilayah persekutuan itu Kita harus pertahankan Syarat dia dan prinsip dia Tidak boleh lagi daripada apa yang saya sebut daripada awal Soal jaminan menteri dulu itu soal mereka Saya tidak fikir ini memberi pengaruh kepada dasar yang dilakukan dan apa-apa yang melibatkan peruntukan kewangan yang besar mesti dibawa ke Kementerian Kewangan dan Jemaah Menteri meluluskan. That was Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim. Uh, what do you think of the um, of this idea of preserving Kampung Baru as a Malay agricultural settlement and how would you like to see that done but also uh, developed to align with smart city goals? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio.
All right, onwards to the next topic, which we always enjoy discussing and we suspect you do as well. Uh, Sungai Bulo MP Datuk Ramanan Ramakrishnan asked the Transport Ministry whether they'll be adding more feeder buses and routes at train stations since many people still have to rely on e-hailing to get back home. So the Minister Anthony Lok kicked his answer off with news of an initiative to make it easy for everyone, including MPs, to attend Parliament. Terlebih dahulu saya nak memalunkan kepada Dewan Yang Mulia ini dan atas sokongan dan kebenaran daripada Datuk Yang Pertua sendiri bahawa Kementerian Pengangkutan telah mengambil inisiatif untuk menyediakan perkhidmatan bas pengantara di antara stesen KL Central ke Parlimen setiap hari semasa sidang Parlimen berlangsung. Jadi saya mengajak dan saya mempersilakan ahli-ahli yang berhormat termasuklah yang berhormat daripada Sungai Buloh supaya menggunakan pengangkutan awam untuk datang ke Parlimen Kalau daripada Sungai Buloh boleh mengambil perkhidmatan MRT sampai ke stesen Museum Negara, berjalan kaki ke KL Central, ambil bas pengantara daripada KL Central sampai ke bangunan parlimen ini tanpa perlu menggunakan kereta. Jadi saya berharap yang berhormat Sungai Buloh juga boleh menyambut dan menyokong usaha ini. Dan juga kepada ahli-ahli yang berhormat yang lain supaya menyokong usaha menggunakan pengangkutan awam. Untuk menjawab pertanyaan daripada yang berhormat Sungai Buloh, Pada ketika ini kita mempunyai sebanyak 461 bus feeder di beberapa laluan termasuk di laluan Ampang dan Seri Petaling lain di mana ada 16 laluan, 37 bus. Di laluan Kerana Jaya ada 32 laluan bus pengantara, 77 bus. Di Kajang lain MRT ada 51 laluan dengan 117 bus pengantara. Putrajaya lain satu ada 40 bas dan yang akan dibuka tak lama lagi Putrajaya Line 2 kita akan bekalkan 68 bas pengantara dan di sekitar stesen-stesen KTM Komuter ada 29 laluan dengan 122 bas yang juga berkhidmat sebagai bas feeder di kawasan-kawasan ini. I have to say there have been a number of uh, social media posts by MPs uh, with pictures of themselves on those shuttles heading to Parliament, which I thought was quite cute. Uh, the Minister also said that Prasarana is currently trying out the use of uh, van hailing in a pilot project to address the first and last mile issue. Memang kita sedia maklum bahawa kekangan first mile dan last mile ini merupakan salah satu masalah. Uh, pihak Prasarana sedang mengadakan projek perintis ataupun pilot project untuk menggunakan perkhidmatan uh, van hailing ataupun menggunakan perkhidmatan yang disediakan oleh satu syarikat yang bernama Kumpo di mana kita juga boleh menggunakan van sebagai pengantara di antara rumah-rumah kediaman dengan stesen-stesen pengangkutan awam di mana apabila ada keperluan uh, pengguna ataupun penumpang boleh menggunakan van van hailing ini dengan uh, harga yang agak berpatutan iaitu satu uh, ringgit untuk setiap kali uh, perkhidmatan itu Dan kita memang uh, bersedia untuk menambahkan perkhidmatan ini di stesen-stesen lain uh, di semua uh, network yang sedia ada. Dan begitu juga Kementerian Pengangkutan sedang berbincang dengan pihak uh, syarikat-syarikat e-hailing dan saya telah pun meminta pihak agensi pengangkutan awam darat untuk membenarkan juga konsep uh, ride sharing iaitu uh, uh, kereta-kereta e-hailing ini bukannya hanya boleh mengambil satu penumpang mungkin mereka boleh share dan itu secara tidak secara langsungnya akan menurunkan kada tambang untuk pengguna-pengguna e-healing.
So that was Transport Minister Anthony Loke. Just to add on, he was also asked whether there were plans to introduce a bus service for just women, particularly for nighttime travel, as well as whether subsidies could be given to the B40 for e-hailing services. He said that a women's only van hailing service, definitely doable, and that they were already studying the feasibility of e-hailing subsidies for the B40. So, do weigh in. What do you make of these suggestions? Um, whether it's a one ringgit van hailing service, uh, more ride sharing options, a women only van hailing service. Have you tried using some of these vans that already exist? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now on to an update on body cameras uh, being used by the PDRM. Deputy Minister Datuk Sri Dr. Shamsul Anwar Nasara said that 30 million ringgit was allocated for the procurement of these cameras under the 12th Malaysia Plan and that these body cams will be used by over 7,000 police officers. Uh, this is the Deputy Home Minister. Uh, he was also asked whether there were plans to eventually expand the use of these cameras and whether their recordings could be used as evidence in court. Here he is. Oleh kerana uh, kamera badan ini penting dalam usaha kita untuk meningkatkan tahap profesional anggota polis di seluruh negara. Memandangkan uh, anggota polis penting uh, kepada kita dan juga uh, kita mahu meningkatkan uh, tahap integriti melindungi polis dan juga masyarakat dan memelihara ketulusan. Semua elemen ini sangat penting bagi memastikan uh, kredibiliti uh, Jabatan Polis benar-benar terpelihara. Maka melihat uh, kepada kepentingan ini, KDN dan juga PDRM dan Kementerian sendiri memang uh, berhasrat untuk uh, memperluaskan penggunaan uh, kamera badan ini bukan hanya terhadap uh, PDRM tapi agensi-agensi penguatkuasa yang lain di bawah uh, Kementerian dan Negeri. Antaranya ialah uh, Jabatan Immigration Malaysia, JIM, uh, Jabatan uh, Penjara Malaysia, Agensi Pengkuasa Maritim Malaysia dan juga uh, Agensi Dadah Kebangsaan (ADK) kerana sebuah agensi ini juga berurusan dengan uh, masyarakat dan tentulah data-data yang kita perolehi daripada uh, kamera badan ini boleh digunakan pakai dalam apa juga keadaan termasuklah uh, bukti-bukti di mahkamah dan sebagainya. That was Deputy Home Minister Datuk Sri Dr. Shamsul Anwar Nasara saying that body cams will eventually be used by other agencies that fall under the Home Ministry. This includes the Immigration Department and Prisons Department. So let us know, would you feel safer with the police being required to use body cams? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. That's all for today's session. Um, a number of interesting questions that have come about, um, so do weigh in. Uh, we heard about uh, plans for development of Kampung Baru, so we'd like to, you know, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think that should be? What direction should they take? Um, we also heard about uh, van hailing services that are meant to, that could potentially provide safer rides for women, cheaper rides for the B40, um, and whether having body cams for our police uh, would make you feel safer. Share your thoughts with us. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Boyish forty-something millionaires. BFM. 
It is 5.25. Um, you're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn and we've been um, doing Pope Pope Parliament, looking at the updates at today's Day One Rakyat. Um, a number of things came up, um, discussions on Kampung Baru and the best direction to take in terms of developing it while also preserving its original identity, um, you know, listening to what the citizens want, uh, what its denizens want. Um, we also talked about van healing services as well as body cams for the PDRM. Do we in, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a number of messages. Let's start with uh, this from Shamil on Kampung Baru. Shamil says Kampung Baru can be turned into the likes of Bukchon City in South Korea. But I find it funny that they are talking about Malays and Kampung Baru. But all this while, I think at least half of the occupants are non-Malaysian. If they are serious about turning it into a traditional town with smart city features, they should look into the massive exodus of Malaysians dwelling in Kampung Baru and proper planning should be done with incentives given to people there to retain their local original architecture. So actually a number of interesting things to pick up on there, right? Um, on the one hand, Shamil, I'd be curious to know when you say uh, non-Malaysians, um, what sort of communities you're talking about? Basically, are we talking about gentrification or are we talking about um, migrants, uh, migrant mm. workers, right? Because I think the conversation can go very differently depending on which direction we, we um, discuss that in. But uh, but also about what you consider Kampung Baru. Exactly. Because the enclave of Kampung Baru is quite different from um, people that share the address, which include like high rises and mm. things like that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. That's true. Um, and, and I think that the issue of Kampung Baru is very tricky because on the one hand, it is such a quintessentially Kuala Lumpur local settlement, right? And the idea of developing it um, can can seem like we're doing away with exactly what makes the area special. But on the other hand, as Shamil says, if there isn't enough incentive for uh, Malaysians, the original um, people who lived in that area to stay, uh, then what is the balance to be struck? Yes, so I, I agree with all of this. Um, and I also think that you cannot just uh, glorify something if you're not actually investing in maintaining it as it is. Um, and if instead there's been for a long time a massive interest in turning it into something completely other than what its history has traditionally been. Um, we also have points that are being made about the body cam question, including this one from Tio who says, I would feel safer if I actually see more police presence and enforcement. And I think, um, while I appreciate the sentiment, I think this is interesting because I'm not actually sure how many people feel safer seeing more police rather than fewer. I know, like the physical presence of police, yes. right? Yeah. Um, I, I, when, I have never committed a crime. Yes, I can say that. I've never committed a crime. Um, and yet, when I see police presence, I think there's something disquieting about it, often because I worry if something has gone wrong. Yes. Um, and that perhaps comes because we don't often see people on patrols, which is Theo's point. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think it's less about police presence and perhaps effectiveness of what the police are there to do. And, and maybe that's where the disconnect is. Uh, Katrina says, I'm interested to know how policeman privacy is protected in the process. For instance, when they go to the toilet, answer personal calls, can they switch it off as and when they want? Uh, I don't. Well, they're not supposed to be wearing it all the time. They're supposed to be yes. wearing it when they're out on duty. So I think that there is a pretty significant difference there. And in some ways, it actually speaks to this voice note, which is making a similar but separate point about a different body of people. Here's Danny. 
we have body cams as a check and balance against the significant and powers wielded by police officers and why don't we have body cams for ministers as well that can be used if there is uh, there are allegations of corruption against that minister you know i think questions of privacy are quite important and just because we need um, accountability doesn't mean that the automatic response is let's monitor them all the time. All the time because um, again to be clear body cams are not meant to be like Truman Show-esque. They're not on a person you know all the time and they can't remove it. Instead um, in this case they would be worn when they're on official duty. So unless we want a lot of um, me- a lot of like eye level views of tables and meetings and fights. <laughs> I don't think we need this for ministers. Keep your thoughts coming. We are talking about uh, a number of things, um, how we'd like to see Kampung Baru, whether we'd like to see Kampung Baru developed, uh, also on uh, body cams or police and whether that would make you feel uh, safer. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beautiful festive moments. BFN 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been looking at uh, discussions in today's Day One Rakyat on Popit Popit Parliament. A number of um, threads that are getting a fair amount of conversation going. Um, on the one hand, uh, the development of Kampung Baru and um, the push and pull between retaining it as such or to move it in line with the smart city plans. Uh, and on the other hand, body cams and whether they make us feel safer when it comes to the police. Uh, do weigh in. You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us. Let's first start with some messages on the issue of body cams. So I think... Um Let's go straight to it, right? Because there are people making the point about brutality. So, Madi says, um, we've heard previously about CCTVs not working in police stations. Will it be the same with body cams? And can you guarantee that the body cams will work 100%? And if not, who is liable? Uh, Similarly, Tani says, body cam is not going to reduce the number of unexplained deaths in cells. I would be surprised if it actually works when needed, i.e. as evidence. And I think this speaks to... A few things. Um, there is this speaks to a general mistrust, I think, of of uh, our enforcement officers and where that comes from, and where it comes from, of course, are deaths in custody, unexplained deaths in custody, and the fact that we. I remember last year the numbers. I mean, every year the numbers are so alarming, but last year in particular, there was a stretch in which it felt like every week there was another case in which this was being discussed. And so I, I hear you. I understand where this is coming from, and uh, no, it. This is not meant to solve that. No, and in fact, Kat, um, you know, links that to exactly that, the notion of uh, who's watching the watchman, basically, right? Uh, Kat says, body cams alone don't make me safer. They make me uncomfortable, actually, an illusion of intervention that increases surveillance and doesn't deal with critical issues. Body cams won't address the serious issues around policing, unchecked powers, uh, weak, ineffective um, or not fit for purpose or non-independent oversight commissions. Uh, the IPCC doesn't meet the requirements of an independent oversight mechanism. Uh, wide powers of the police, historical violence by state actors, corruption and so on. How will body cam address all of these? Additionally, what happens with the footage? Who will be dealing with it? What is justice under our current system? I'm also curious about who is getting the contracts to supply body cams and privacy of all of us being recorded by the state. So actually, these are such similar questions that have been and continue arising in um, 
in places like the US, right, where sure, people are, uh, police are required to wear body cams, but then the people who then look at the footage and make assessments are also within the system. So where's the accountability or transparency? Yes, um, alongside the fact that body cam footage has also not always been recorded. Uh, body cam mm. footage has not then always been made available uh, for, for the public to scrutinise, um, except in recent cases. And so, yes, I think all of these things are true. I would, however, add that, um, and, and I'm speaking as somebody who is who is kind of, concerned about many of the issues that you're concerned about, Kat. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I think that there needs to be a slight separation um, in slight separation between what things are meant to do. In other words, if there is supposed to be a small improvement, um, if there are small steps being taken to accountability, I I'm worried that if we get bogged down in conversations about institutional matters, um, constantly without looking at the small incremental steps that are taken, then it may feel like we can never move forward. And and so I'm hesitant about that while agreeing with you and, and saying that a lot of these issues I, I feel as well. A couple of people, though, in support of this idea of body cams. Perry says, I would definitely feel safer if all police have body cams all the time, uh, rather than a case of he says, she says, especially with citizens having handphones to record, it's best to have body cams so that... Um, taken out of context footage can be disputed properly. BK, meanwhile, says this is definitely a move towards public confidence um, and hopefully the implementation can be done smoothly. They should also be equipped with uh, dash cams on their patrol cars and location detectors so that people know, uh, so that the control centre knows their whereabouts and they can be deployed quickly to crime scenes. Yeah, um, I, I see where that's coming from. I think that it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a bit chicken and egg because by the time you've spent the money, you need it to work. But at the same time, you don't know if it's going to work until you've spent the money almost. Um, all you can do is look at other countries. And that's why I think everybody is repeatedly bringing up the use the US because mm. in the US, body cams have not been as helpful as you'd like them to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not against the idea of body cams, but I think they shouldn't be the only solution. There needs to be a lot of other things put in place for this to be a tool that ends up being useful. Um, in the meantime, in the meantime, share your thoughts with us. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.